are listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Yes, Dr. Batar joins us once again for some more advanced medicine right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Remember, medicalrewind.com, easiest way to access that which we've done for many years together. Great stuff. Dr. Batar, I, I want to jump right into the story because this is more validation. Not that we needed it, but my goodness. Headline of Science World Report reads, Environmental Toxins Linked to Increased Risk of Neurodegenerative Illnesses. And <clears throat> I guess the only response would be, the appropriate response would be, tell me something I don't know. I know. I mean, this is really good, though, that it's getting out finally, that, you know, instead of chasing microbes, let's acknowledge the real thing that damages the, well, the, what we call it, the brains of duh, the moments of duh. I mean, this is a classic one, but yet most seemingly in the uh, academic world in medicine, might be surprised by this. They have actual microscopic images of brain sections that show that when they added a specific neurotoxin, that's why it's called a neurotoxin, lo and behold, there's damage to the neural system. How long did it take them to figure this out? Yeah, so which journal published this? Uh, what is it called? Science World Report is reporting on it, and this was in the Proceedings of the Royal Society B. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, also related to nonprofit ethnomedicine and the University of Miami Brain Endowment Bank. So, I mean, there's some money behind this study, but I mean, it's like this is what we've been saying for as long as when, when we woke up, since we woke up. Yeah, it's uh, it's really really delayed in there. Um, it's really delayed putting this out to the world. But the problem is that how many individuals have gotten injured or maimed um, over the last few decades when this information wasn't made widely accessible. And honestly, Robert, that's a pretty obscure journal that you quoted just now. So mm. you know, most, most uh, media is not going to cover that. So it's going to be drowned out anyway, and they're not going to really give it any credence right now. But more and more of these coming along the, the, the pipeline, I think, will... Mm-hmm eventually change the tide and some of the things that are going to happen this fall that you know about that yes um most people don't yet um that will really help to shine so uh, shine the light upon the actual issues and i think it's, it's small little pennies that will be accumulated into the hundreds of dollars but yeah well listen the, as they say they're new findings they claim that are published not in a big old journal somewhere that we'd like to see it in but that they you know, this exposure to an environmental toxin that happens to be linked to algae blooms, right? We've all heard of algae blooms, and the algae blooms tend to happen where there is a lot of pollution in the water. And you think about what the algae may be trying to do, transform the toxic waste in the water to protect the environment ultimately. But, of course, if you're exposed to the toxins that these things are consuming and trying to transform, 
it might have an impact because they are known to be neurotoxic. So they're just figuring this out like Sherlock Holmes in the second grade, right? They're saying that their field work on this subject was like reading an Agatha Christie novel. And, and I, don't, I don't have a problem with them saying that because if they, you know, real scientists are like that. They, they turn every stone over and go, what's this? Is this related? Whereas much of the research in modern medicine is controlled, constrained within, as Ty Bollinger says, in the box. It says you can study anything you want. We'll give you all the money to study it as long as you look within this box. But the moment you go out and find a toxin, like a heavy metal, like mercury, your funding's going to be shut off, and that's it. And you'll learn very quickly that you'll only research things in the box. And this one went a little bit outside of it, apparently. Yeah, I mean, we've firsthand experienced that ourselves with papers that we've published that uh, did not get published, and they basically said that it did not meet the peer review criteria, and yet the peer review criteria was supposedly uh, initiated and completed by three physicians in less than an eight-hour period over a weekend, and you know that there's no mm-hmm. way that three different doctors reviewed a paper over the weekend over eight hours. That's not the way it works. generated response that your paper has not met the criteria because it scans for certain keywords, and one of those keywords happens to be mercury, and that's why our paper wasn't picked up and and it was actually a response to call for papers for the journal uh, for the uh, New England no I'm sorry for uh, Journal of American Medical Association for JAMA so you know if I first had an experience that type of an issue um, it was actually specifically to do with the call for papers for childhood diseases that had no known uh, cures and so we uh, wrote a paper basically Dr. Bernhoff and I wrote a paper on uh, the oxidative stressor being the uh, etiology of autism and you know he toned it down a lot because I had mercury everywhere and he said Rasha we got to take out the word mercury out you know we can't have it this <laughs> yes. many times so I think it was on the 14th page of the paper we mentioned mercury as one of many and it flagged it and and didn't that was it. it yeah yeah the, the so. key words that they don't want out there related to a lot of what they utilize in the practice of medicine and right. dentistry and dentistry of course now uh, they had this thing called BMAA. I don't know what it is. I think this is the name of that toxin. And they basically exposed these monkeys to this in fruit. And they said the monkeys that did not have exposure to this BMAA showed no signs of neuropathology. Those who just ate toxin-laced fruits developed neurofibrillary tangles and amyloid deposits, both of which show early signs of Alzheimer's. The others who had a combination of fruits and fruits with BMA had lower density of tangles. So, you know, as I, right now, Ty sent out, you know, he sends out videos from The Truth About Cancer, and he took a little snippet out of me talking about why you need to clean up what goes into your body, why pesticides have no place in anybody, but much less a person trying to recover from cancer. And here's an example of that where they say, yeah, the toxins have an impact, whereas a lot of the profession still denies that, says you can eat whatever you want, pesticides, no big deal, it's just a little bit, it's not nothing to worry about. Yeah, who was that uh, that they interviewed from uh, Monsanto? I think, and they were talking about how, yeah, he would drink a gallon of this stuff. And <laughs> yes, you could drink it. And then the, the interviewer offered the guy; he was a spokesperson for for the glyphosate. Said, "Yeah, okay, you can drink it. Yeah, yeah, we can drink it. Okay, here, I have a glass of it for you. Drink it." Well, I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so easy for them to make those kind of statements, and then when it comes <clears throat> down to them having to actually back them up with any type of action, they, of course, won't do it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, they said the second experiment, researchers only changed the, changed the dosages of the toxin. 
The findings still showed that the monkeys who ate the BMA still had tangles and amyloid deposit in their brain tissues following 140 days. Can we talk about bioaccumulation of these things? We talk of uh, neurological degradation. That means it continues to degrade over the course of the span of the ingestion and the remnants if they're not safely removed. Yep. You know, there's certain components, too, that are very, very unique to just mercury. For example, we know that many of the metals and many of these chemicals are detrimental, but the denudation of the neurofibrils is very unique to mercury. And even though we do see it with things like lead, it's much lesser Mm -hmm. than what you see with mercury. And no other metal causes the same level of neural degradation and deterioration of the myelin sheets like mercury for example and so many of these different toxicities have their own unique pathophysiology and when you combine them all together into one individual it's uh, it's a um, additive effect you know it's, mm-hmm. it's a exponentially higher level of damage that they cause. Seriously. I, I liken it like uh, if lead could be a little firecracker and uh, maybe aluminum's uh, an M80 or a stick of dynamite, you got mercury and it's a nuclear bomb. You know, it's the, the intensity of the damage that it does. It doesn't mean that those other things can't do damage and harm, but the relative uh, intensity of what it can do is different. Yeah, and, and that's not an exaggeration because we've talked about the LD1 of lead and LD1 of mercury and LD100 in the same patient population. And to put that into response of percentages, remember, going from 1 to 2, that's a 100% increase. Going from 1 to uh, to 10 is a 1,000% increase. Going from 1 to 100 is a 10,000% increase in damage. Mm-hmm. So it's a exponentially increasing uh, synergistic type of exacerbation of the, of the problem. And so a 10,000% increase of anything is, is a, you know, that's, that's a massively high level of whatever it is. If, let's put it this way. If you looked at a 10,000% rate of interest that you would get on your money by putting it in the bank, would that, yeah. would that excite you? And of course yeah. it would. You know, so we, we were so used to talking about one or two or 5%, something like that. So mm-hmm. when you start thinking about 10,000%, yeah, a hundredfold increase in the toxicity levels by putting some of these things together. And that's when we're talking about lead and mercury and LD1, LD1 of lead and mercury together. So now yeah. you start looking at all these other components, you know, cadmium and fluoride and, you know, and mm-hmm. all these other neurotoxins, or these chemicals that act as, as neurotoxins, and God knows what else is in there. It's, it's just amazing that the system is still capable of functioning. Absolutely incredible. And then we get this gem from uh, your lovely wife, Unbilled producer Debbie Senses. Pepsi finally admits that which we knew for years, that its Aquafina bottled water is just tap water. And, of course, Coca-Cola has Dasani. It's the same thing. It's not anything else but what they're pulling from the tap, putting in a plastic bottle, and selling like it's some kind of natural spring water. Yep. Yep. So I, I really like that Pe- Pepsi-Cola representative Michelle Naughton said in a recent statement that, quote, if this helps clarify the fact that the water originates from public sources, then it's a reasonable thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that they're coming clean with it. And they also agreed, um, I mean, not agreed, I'm sorry, they also uh, admitted that there was fluoride in their water. Yeah, there's a, another story on here. Uh, basically, they have a list, in fact, and we'll add that to the show notes momentarily at robertscottbell.com. 
that a uh, number of these have fluoride. Some of them actually have added fluoride, which, as we know, is a toxic waste uh, byproduct of aluminum and uh, bauxite-type mining, and an absolute neurotoxin and an increasing uh, ability when you're drinking fluoridated water to uptake the metals that may be coming through the pipes or from any other sources that you have. So we're going to correct that. They probably think that's a good thing, right? That's why they're um, publicly releasing it. Yeah, interestingly enough. Yes, we're proud of the toxic waste we have in our bottled water. Not here, not now, not ever, not on the Robert Scott Bell Show, certainly not with Dr. Batara. We do advanced medicine each and every week. What about that Zika virus? We've got news on that when we come back and more. Remember, medicalrewind.com. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. In the show notes, we got upcoming events as well. I just wanted to let everybody know that uh, February 5th and 6th, I'll be in Kuchara, Colorado. If any of our listeners listen to the Medical Rewind Advanced Medicine are up there, I'd love to say hi. Southern Colorado, it's a Right to Try conference I'll be speaking at. And it's basically talking about reestablishing the right for people you know, who are dealing with terminal illnesses to try anything, even if the government, or especially if the government doesn't approve of it, whether it's a drug or whether it's a natural supplement. And I think, you know, that's a birthright we stand by here, Dr. Batari, you as well, that uh, the government has no business telling us what we can and can't do to save our own lives. Well, in fact, it's, uh, it's our government's, our founding father's philosophy that the government should stand out of our way so that we can make the choices, and that's that's the entire um, premise of what mm-hmm. freedom is and what America was founded on is the premise of the freedom to choose whatever you yep. think, whatever foods, whatever water, whatever you know you ingest into your body, whatever you medication, anything. It's what yeah. you decide. Well, and that's the problem too with the story that Deb found us about the fluoride in the water and even these so-called spring waters, much less the tap waters of Dasani and Aquafina. But this story reveals a number of big names that I've seen everywhere in health food stores mostly. Well, even in mass market now, bottled water is big. But Arrowhead, everybody's seen that? Crystal Springs, Deer Park. I'm just naming a few. Uh, Some that I've seen. Nursery water, of course, anytime they gear it for kids, they always add fluoride. Ozarks, Poland Springs, a big name. Uh, Zephyr Hills in Florida, owned by Nestle. Nestle wants a you know monopoly on all water, but all of these contain fluoride. Whether they add it or not, I'm not sure. It doesn't say, but you know you think you're doing yourself right. That's why we talk about all the time filtering the water adequately at home or finding a way to do that when you're traveling as well is much better than taking these plastic bottles that haven't been sitting out gassing for months before they put water in them. They put them in right away after manufacturing. Even if the water was clean, it gets contaminated from the outgassing of the plastic. Yep, and then they have the xenoestrogenic components, mm-hmm. uh, or, or the the actions uh, the body perceives them. You know, they they act as xenoestrogens. So you've got the phytoestrogens, you've got the xenoestrogens, you've got the actual estrogens, and this is what's creating an estrogen dominant society. So we have feminization of uh, many of the livestock, uh, a lot of the wildlife, and as we know that these xenoestrogenic components are carcinogenic. They cause uh, when there's an imbalance of the hormones and, and especially of the estrogens, that promotes uh, an oncogenic type process. And so we have to be very careful of 
disrupting that very critical balance and the plastic containers that we have water in uh, are a very huge source of that um, of that imbalance in the hormonal aspect so yeah absolutely so uh, you add insult to injury we talked about the the toxins right from environment the waste add into that the water that you think is good i mean again water is so critical uh, to everything that we do and are and it's so basic yet uh, the concept of buying and remember in in the transition for all of us i mean there was a time where we thought well bottled water's got to be better than tap water but the reality is what you want to do unless you're in uh, uh, Flint, Michigan, which, you know, you got to have a lot of filters to pull the heavy metals out of that stuff. Uh, but the reality is filtration is going to be critical if we don't clean up what's coming in to the systems because they might, let's say, purify it via chemicals, chlorine, for instance, to eradicate certain microbe, but it's not filtering out a lot of these heavy metals. Yeah, that's exactly right, Robert. And I think this is going to con- this problem is going to continue, and, and more and more people are going to become aware, and so it's going to actually make water even a more precious commodity than it is. If you think about it 20 years ago, you know, bottling water was analogous to bottling air. It's like, well, why why would you do that? And Mm -hmm. now look at it, the price of water, and you compare it to price of oil per gallon. I mean, you go to a gas station, you gas up, versus you go into the gas station and buy a bottle of water. The bottle of water is more expensive than the gas station. Yeah, that's true. And and again, that water is not as clean as you need it to be, as we all need it to be. So it's a big part. Or as we think it is. Or that we think it is, exactly. And that's that's a big part of it. Now, I know that uh, we have listeners that are pretty darn aware, and we try to be pretty darn aware as well, uh, but there are other layers of this you know, charade or, or ruse that is being played on us by those that want to sell us stuff. Now, it doesn't mean there's not good stuff. We highlight the good stuff, but the reality is a lot of folks, you, your loved ones, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your brothers, your sisters don't know this yet. So that's why we want you to share the stories, share the notes, share the links to the archives through GCN or Syndicator, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Talk Network. Epic Times, UK Health Radio, and of course, right here with Dr. Batar each week, medicalrewind.com, an easy way to pick up on the archives. When we come back, we will get to that Zika virus. We also have a question of the day, I think related to mesothelioma, interestingly enough, and fat kids, obesity, children at five years old. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, we continue to crank it up with a little bit of advanced medicine. How about a lot of advanced medicine? We got uh, more questions of the day coming in. I thought this one would be good, Dr. Vitar. Again, we're we're not treating over the air. Remember that, but we're just kind of giving information, generalized overviews. You know, when people ask these questions, you know, most of them are very sincere about it. Um, and this is from AA, initials AA. Do you have a clinic to treat patients with mesothelioma? If not, do you have recommendations? There's a patient in Northern Virginia. They're telling him it is a rare form of cancer, and he has no clue how or when he was exposed to asbestos. They think he's a candidate for surgery and chemo to follow. So uh, it sounds like a concerned uh, friend, if you will. Right. And have you dealt with mesothelioma there at the clinic, or is that something you have to send out for? I've... I've treated a lot of mesothelioma. In fact, my own uh, my own uh, staff member, my own colleague Jane Garcia, who you've met, the yes. provider in my clinic, she had she got mesothelioma three years ago. 
she's um, you know she's fine today. What, so. Well, what can you add in a general body of knowledge when people look and say it's mostly associated with asbestos exposure? I don't know if it's only that, but uh, you know, as far as remediating something like that. No different than any of the cancers. Always toxicity related and malnourishment related, and deal with both of those, and it's treated the exact same way as any other cancer. Okay, I didn't know if there was anything specific that you had to do to lung tissue that may have been damaged through inhalation. No, no. I mean, there are things that we do specific to the patient's condition, but not specific to the cancer. So I could have a prostate cancer stage four that's having problems breathing, and I'm going to do the same thing to him that I would do to any other patient that's having a breathing issue, that's, that's having problem in labored breathing, but just because uh, it's in the lungs, I'm not going to do any other specific type of treatment. That's, that's more a symptomatic reduction, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that's why I would do that particular type of thing. So our treatment for cancer is looking at the commonalities of cancer. So for example, cancer is an obligate anaerobic metabolizer. It does not like oxygen, so we use that oxygen as a mode of therapy, for example, but it's for all cancers, or all cancers, regardless of where they are, are obligate glucose metabolizers. So we utilize that information, so we treat, our philosophy of treating is addressing the obligate glucose metabolizer aspect. So, for example, we know that sugar feeds cancer, and so we don't want to feed sugar to cancer patients. So from a dietary standpoint, we remove that, but then during the treatments, sometimes we'll use dextrose to Mm -hmm. fuse into an IV, for example, as a Trojan horse technique. So the cancer opens up because it sees the sugar coming in, but then we've got something else inside there. Let's say vitamin C, for example. I always give vitamin C with D5. Why? Because the cancer cells open up for the sugar, and we just drive the vitamin C into it. And that devastates the cancer, which can't protect against it. So uh, I love your consistency. You know that. And I, and I, not that I didn't know where you were going, but it was like softball for you. But I, I thought it was important to reiterate that in the way you do it. And last Friday, we had, you know, the DACA Detox, Daryl Wolf, a good friend of TMB's ties as well. And he was also one of those uh, featured in the truth about cancer. And last week, you would have loved it. He talked about stop treating cancer, right? Stop it. It's like these doctors saying, you got to do this for the cancer. You got to do this for the Stop treating the cancer. Take care of the person. Address what's going on. And it's exactly what you do and what you say. And so when people come to me or you, like I say, mesothelioma, it's the whole person you're addressing. Yes, we acknowledge what's been said to you or even diagnosed, but that doesn't necessarily change the things that need to be done. So, Robert, I'm, I'm going to pretend like we're not on the air because when you asked that question, I was going to ask you, what the hell's wrong with you, Robert? And I realized <laughs> what you were doing, so that's why I just answered it. I know you know, you know me. I know, but hey, listen, it was beautiful the way you responded so it, well, it, the way I expected you to and the way I wanted it to, 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 for folks to hear because there are a lot of things that you all think, oh, I'll throw them a curve with this. Not that I feel like this person was doing that. They were asking sincerely. But the message consistently from what we're doing and sending is that we've got to look at all of the same basic elements that manifest perhaps maybe differently in each of us, but they don't necessarily require a different, uh, how would we say, approach. Yes, we will nuance an approach based on each individual, but the basics still apply. They always apply. Exactly. So, you know, cancer can be summarized as a higher state of oxidative stress, and there's always a toxicity component or there's a significant malnourishment uh, component, and it's usually a combination of both at that very point where the cancer started. Mm -hmm. And the actual cancer itself is nothing more, the process of cancer itself is nothing more 
than the body going into a rapid uh, a defense stance. It's just trying to survive. That's all it's doing. Just like a tree, the last thing it does before it dies is it rapidly pollinates. That's what the body's doing. That's what that particular tissue at that very point with the cancer started is just trying to preserve itself. And so what we want to do is we want to, one, remove the toxicity, and two, give the body the nutrition that's needed to support that. And what was the cancer before it became cancer? It was normal cells. So we give the body an opportunity to revert back to the normal state. And more often than not, it does revert back to the normal state. And in the rare case, not rare, but in the uh, in, in the in the in the cases where it doesn't revert back, then there's other things that can be done. But I don't actually go after the cancer there either. It's all about enhancing the immune system because the immune system mm-hmm. is supposed to be monitoring the, the the body anyway. And as long as your immune system is intact, you can't get cancer. So when somebody comes in with cancer, you know by definition their immune system is compromised. So now you enhance their immune system, get it back on track, repair it. When that comes back on, whatever did not convert back to the regular normal state, uh, which it was in before it became cancer, then the immune system will address it, and you're home free. Yeah. It's literally that simple. And look at this story. I mean, that's only confirming what we've seen with all the, the 67-year-old rock stars, movie stars dying. They, they should live till who knows what. But uh, headline, more people under 50 getting colon cancer. I love the way they headline it, getting, like you go out and get colon cancer, right? <laughs> it's like a disease on the inside, but you went out and got it. What are they, again, the the language I, I think is not by accident, but this was traditionally a disease of the very elderly, like we've talked about now, the collapsing of time, the younger and younger people developing these these diseases that were at least at one point in our history considered diseases of decrepit old age. Right, but now we're giving vaccines that, that annihilate and rape the immune system and renders a person more susceptible, then you've got poor diet, no nutrition, or lack of nutrition, you've got additional toxicities that are being ingested, that are being inhaled, that are being drank, and now the person's entire system is riddled with all these substances that nature never intended for, or God never intended to be in our body, and um, then the body responds in an appropriate manner, as as anybody's body would when it's assaulted, it goes into a defensive stance, the immune system's damaged, and it goes into this rapid proliferative state where it's trying to propagate itself and survive. Mm-hmm. And we call that cancer. And then what do we do? We say, oh, wait a second, your immune system's damaged because you've got cancer. Let's further damage it by giving you additional um, things like chemo and radiation. I just, so I got, I got to laugh. It's sad. But, I mean, it's, it's also funny. It's like a comedy in a, in a, routine, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, you're like... Hello, McFly, and, you know, trying to wake the folks up. But uh, this is the kind of message that I said, don't just let it be received by you, because you know there are a lot of folks that need this desperately. And this is a message of empowerment. It really is. And, in you know, when you read uh, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, that's Dr. Batar's book. For those of you who are new listeners, international bestseller, it's fantastic. In, in fact, I have, you know, right I think it was right behind. Yeah. In fact, when I was interviewed by RT, I have a few books, including yours, behind me so that everybody gets to see it whenever I do a TV interview. It's that important. Please, everybody, get it. Now, this relates to another issue, the Zika virus. I don't know if you've been hearing about this, Z-I-K-A. And I've been asked about this by a lot of folks, and I I always say, listen, the, the virus hunters are desperate to find new viruses because they keep needing, for the sake of their industry, to find new excuses to make more vaccines. They call it a mosquito-borne virus, whatever. It may or may not exist. I don't know. Maybe it does. But the headlines also say, well, gee, it's funny because it doesn't harm people with intact immune systems. That is what we call a clue, that it isn't the virus. It's the weakened person that's susceptible to any and all things. Coming back to where we started today, 
For instance, the neurotoxins coming in from the environment, weakening the immune system, damaging the excretory system, yet they're coming up with a new viral alert, and most people are going to fall for it. Yeah, so when you look at this whole concept of the, about the immune system being damaged, a common cold will kill somebody that has no immune system. When you look at the... the um, uh, Acquired immune deficiency syndromes, the AIDS mm-hmm. syndromes, by definition, it's one of the definitions, the characteristics of it is that the immune system is damaged. Well, a lot of those people, they don't, you know, put aside the theory of the virus and how, you know. But they die of a yeast infection. They, they die, die of anything. They die from a common cold. They can die from, yeah. they cut their hand um, or uh, from an abrasion to skin up their knee and they can get an infection and die from that. Why? Because mm-hmm. they have no immune system. Exactly. So anything that's compromising the immune system is going to render a person helpless and then make them susceptible to any of these conditions. And right. you don't need a vector, uh, a mosquito-borne vector like right. a Zika virus to carry, being carried in a mosquito to actually get that. It can be anything. Exactly. You don't have to get that fancy or that exotic. Just call it an abrasion or, you know, cut or <laughs> put a nail or something, whatever. Dr. Batar, the CDC says that cases of the neurological disorder Guillain-Barre which we know is a lot of uh, associated with vaccine injury, uh, have been reported in patients with probable Zika virus. So now they're saying, well, Guillain-Barre, it's linked to the Zika virus. Of course, anything to distract against their injections, which they want to do more of, by the way. Right. Isn't that interesting? We start seeing the language of the matrix. That's exactly what it is. It's an illusion, and there's a lot of... um smoke and mirrors and a lot of distractions that are created to confuse the picture, but that's all it is. It's an illusion. It is the matrix. Because there is no treatment for the Zika virus at this time, according to this article, women should be counseled about all the options available to them. I'm thinking, what are the, you've just said you've got no options. (laughs) What are the options? Well, you should talk to a doctor anyway, but what is the doctor going to say? We have no options, ma'am. I'm sorry. What's the point of that? This is what the doctor is going to say. Well, uh, I think you should go get a vaccine. Right, yeah, maybe another vaccine. Uh, well, yeah. Whatever you can find, just, you know, let's, let's do the herpes vaccine because yeah. we don't want you to be susceptible. So we want you to get all yeah. these vaccines. I mean, this is, the, this is how it works. People mm. are told that, look, you are, I just had a patient today, in fact, um, that had a diagnosis of cancer in 1996. She goes through radiation and a lumpectomy. Thank God she survives it. She does fine. <clears throat> Everything's going along fine. 2014. Um, she meets with her doctor, and the doctor says, look, you need to be protected for shingles. She said, I don't think I need to. He says, you don't understand. You're 61 years old. You need this, that, the other, blah, blah, blah. They assault her with these uh, these um, shingles viruses, she, and she, she describes it as a heavy, heavy dose, like three yeah. times the normal thing. She uh-huh. took, like, she, they told her to take three different sets of um, vaccines, and from that point on, the cancer markets started tracking up within a month. Yeah. And now she's calling our office. Uh, luckily, she still feels good, and she they haven't seen anything. But that's when a cancer star market started driving. Exactly. Up, so. Well, the vaccine is all. We're up on a break. By the way, Zika virus starts with a Z, so we'll probably let's prescribe them a Z pack. Right? That's the that's the science behind this. We've got lots more healing to go, and fat kids to remedy after this. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rockin' the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, Super Don, did, did I get into trouble last week when we were talking about that story about fat Latins? Do you remember that? I fat, do, yes. 
Yeah, did yes. I get into trouble? Did anybody yell and scream at me? Am I, are no, we okay? I, I didn't get any hate mail on that one. I think we're, you just slipped right on through. We're of course, still you on just the air in Mexico. So. Yeah. We're still on yeah. the air in Mexico. And that was the one because Patrick was not paying attention to anything, and suddenly he was so keyed in that he forgot to fire off the stinger. He forgot to break. <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. But it, the best thing ever when your board op says, you know what, I missed it because I was listening to you. You were so enrapturing in, in, in what you were saying. So. Anyway, uh, fat kids now, Dr. Batar. Sorry about that. I just had to check you in. You call me a fat kid? No. Were you a fat kid? I was a fat kid. <laughs> you were a chubby ch- checker, if you would. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, we all had chubby cheeks at one point in our life, but then I went the other direction. But I like pizza. You like pizza. Super Don, you like pizza? Of course I like pizza. Okay. It's one of the hardest things to give up, and maybe you don't have to. If you, if you do it cleanly, can you get organic cheese? Second, you get, wait a second. You what? have to give up pizza? Did I say you had to give up? No, Dr. Batar has to give up pizza. Sure, yeah, yeah. Why not? Dude, I don't think there's any point in living if you have to give up pizza. (laughs) Okay, we do like pizza. The question is, how clean can it be made? And it can be made clean, but this story says, hey, wait a second. Number of obese and overweight children under five around the world is alarming, and they got a picture of a pizza. I'm thinking, it doesn't have to be that way, does it? Well, I'll tell you this. If Big Pharma was pushing pizza instead of drugs, I would be on the other side, and you would be fighting me. I would be, <laughs> I'd be targeting Dr. Vitar. <laughs> He's the pizza promoter. Listen, would you, be. <laughs> you can make organic non-GMO pizzas, and, and I'm there with you. No, no problem. Pizza Fusion's cool. There are, there are some organic places. And I remember years ago, Super Don, you remember this, I discovered the first organic pizza restaurant. They're no longer business out in, uh, what was that place in Oregon, that, that new agey place? What was that Ashland. town? Ashland, Oregon had it, like Mystic Pizza or something, like Cosmic Pizza. Anyway, but uh, listen, I don't want to have to give up pizza if you don't have to, uh, but the question is what is making more than ever kids obese and fat under the age of five? That's just not normal, is it? No, it's not normal. I think to blame it on pizza or blame it on any type of food, it's, it's the constituents that are used to make that pizza. It's a constituents of the food that you're eating. And it's, for example, if you have, um, let's, let's use an example of a certain type of food, milk. Um, you can drink milk, and milk has gotten such a bad name, and everybody talks about, oh, it's uh, you got to be uh, casein-free, left, right, center, all this stuff about how dairy products are detrimental and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I've even heard people say if you want to, uh, drink milk. It's not natural for humans to drink milk, and if you want to drink milk, you should find a lactating human female because it's not natural for uh, a human to eat drink milk. Yeah, but those breastfeeding women really object when you approach them as an adult in that Usually way. That's true. That's one of the problems. That's one of the many problems. So the, the issue really is not the milk. It's what we do to the milk. So when we homogenize it, we pasteurize it, we inject the cows with bovine growth hormones, we feed them grains uh, with the pesticides and insecticides, it's no wonder that the milk that comes out and then what we do and adulterate the milk by the pasteurization, homogenization, genetic modification, it's not milk anymore. So it's not, what, it's not the substance itself when they blame it. It's what we do to the substances that process should be blamed. And I think that's what starts to retard the metabolic processes and that leads to altered uh, glucose tolerance and then you start end up having the syndrome X and all these other things that start happening. You, right. you create an intolerance to uh, certain types of uh, substances in the body. The body forms a resistance. You, they have the delayed IgG-mediated food allergies and everything gets thrown out of whack and then, yeah. of course, the metabolism slows down and you, you start can, getting obese. Can, the body's in a state of starvation and holds on to fat and 
yep. body gets a more in the toxins. And you, you know, these kids can't digest. They can't excrete. I mean, you, you know, the little, the little toxic time bombs. And it's happening, as we've talked about, in terms of cancer getting younger and younger as well. That's the thing. The obesity is a defense mechanism in this case. Exactly. And there's another thing, too. The, the onset of uh, TV and, and uh, video games and the iPads and the iPhones. Sedentary. Yeah. Sedentary lifestyle, exactly. In fact, there's a new movement called the Smart Kids Move. And uh, let people know to go to smartkidsmove.com, and they'll start seeing some of the things that happen. It's all martial arts related, actually. But... Excellent. Well, we'll karate chop the next pizza and eat it together. That sounds good to me. All right. Move and groove, whatever you got to do. Thank you, Super Don. Thank you, Patrick, on the board. Dr. Batar, always great to do some more advanced medicine with you. Check out all the links in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Remember, archives, easy access to this hour in particular each week at medicalrewind.com. All I got left to say, Dr. Batar, you can say it. The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.